Welcome back to the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. On today's episode, I have Amanda Howell with me. Amanda is a nutritionist and a public health educator. Amanda and I had selected a topic to discuss together today, and in the meantime, a hot topic came up that we were both spending an awful lot of time chatting about in our Instagram stories. Sunday night's halftime show at the Super Bowl. Now, Amanda and I did not see eye to eye on what we saw and what it meant, um, how people were reacting to it. And so I asked her if she would be okay if we kind of hashed it out here together on the podcast. In the end, we agree on more than I had anticipated, which is a good thing, right? You get two people who seem to disagree and bring them together and you can find some common ground. So we talk about what we saw with JLo and Shakira. Was it empowering? Was it objectifying? I'd be interested to hear your opinion on that as well. So that's part one of the episode. After that, we dive into our originally scheduled topic, which is Whole30. If you've done a round of Whole30, if you're considering doing a round of Whole30, this will be of interest to you. We talk about what Whole30 is, what we see that's good about it, what we see that's problematic about it, is it science-based, and what our recommendations about Whole30 are for you. So tune in, give it a listen, and let me know what you think. Well, hello, Amanda. Welcome to the Fitness Simplified Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I am thrilled we could make this work. Now, you're calling from the beautiful Rocky Mountains in Colorado, correct? I am, and not so beautiful right now. It was 74 degrees 24 hours ago, and now we have about eight inches of snow. Wait, it was 74 degrees in Colorado? It was beautiful. I was outside in a t-shirt, and then I woke up, and it was snowing. But snowing at this time of year is what you expect, right? Not really. A lot of people think Colorado is super snowy. If you're along the Front Range, so in like the Denver, Boulder, Fort Collins area, it's actually super mild. It's about 50 degrees and sunny most of the year. And then obviously in the summer, we get to higher 90 degree days, but not overly snowy down here. If we want snow, we have to go up into the mountains. Okay. That is shocking to me. Clearly, yeah. I, I know nothing about Colorado <laughs> geography. <laughs> Everyone thinks that. Everyone. They're like, are you in an igloo all the time? Nope, not really. Wow. So if you want to go to the mountains and have snow, usually, is it just a quick drive? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can get up into uh, even the closer ski resorts, maybe about 45 minutes, and then the farther ones can be up to two hours. Okay. But yeah, so basically, if you, if you want snow, if you want snowboarding, head out, get your fill, come back down. It's usually sunny and nice down here. I had no idea. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. We actually, so I'm just outside Philadelphia and we had a beautiful day yesterday as well. It was almost 60 degrees here and that's bizarre for this time mm -hmm. of year here. So yeah, I was seeing everybody's posts across the country and everyone was like, it's so nice. The sun is out. <laughs> oh, well, well, at least we got one good day because it, it's raining back here now. Oh, bummer. Yeah, I know. But, you know, I was happy with the one good day. So for those of you listening who do not know Amanda, Amanda and I, well, we know, I'm putting that in quotation marks. We know each other. <laughs> it's so funny how Instagram works. I feel like I know all these people and I'm like, you really don't know them, Kim. <laughs> so yeah, Amanda and I are friendly on Instagram. Amanda has an amazing account. Amanda, shout out your handle now and we'll do it again. It's just Amanda Howell Health, all one word. And two L's, right? Yes. And how? Okay. So Amanda has an amazing page. She talks about nutrition. She's a nutritionist and you have a master's in public health, correct? Did I get that right? Yes, yeah. that's right. And she talks about health and she talks about nutrition and she talks about fitness. And what I really love, Amanda, your posts go in so deep. You don't just kind of touch on a subject, you really dive deep. And I love that. Yeah. I feel like there's kind of a lot of surface content out there, if you will. So I've been really trying to dig a little bit deeper. And then of course, engage with other people who dig a little bit deeper, like yourself, because people need more than just that surface, if you will. It doesn't really give you enough to understand what's going on with any particular topic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we have a topic in mind today, and it's a nutrition topic, and we're, we're going to get there in just a minute, but we're going to take a little side drive here to talk about current events. Um, everyone is still buzzing about the Super Bowl halftime show, including me and Amanda. We were both heavily involved in conversations on our own um, feeds yesterday about what we saw and what we thought about what we saw and 
what we thought about the conversation going on around the Super Bowl. And to be honest, we don't totally agree. I have a feeling we're going to find some common ground, and I think it will be interesting to have a discussion about that. So let's start here, Amanda. Sunday, you're watching the game. Halftime show comes on. What do you see? Yeah, so, and it's actually funny. I think we actually do agree. We're just kind of taking different roads to get there because I was kind of looking at all the conversation. And most most people that I found in our little community, and it's so hard because Instagram kind of ends up being an echo chamber if you don't actively reach beyond it. Yeah. So most people kind of had the same mentality on my post. We just maybe had slightly varying opinions. So basically, obviously we watched the Super Bowl. We saw the halftime with Jalo and Shakira. And my background is in the reproductive and sexual health space. So I have a very unique opinion or viewpoint, if you will, when it comes to this, because the reproductive space is really all about sexuality, expressing yourself in a way where you're not shamed for it, Um, you know, because what you do with your body and yourself and your sexuality and your expression is completely up to you. And then, of course, you get into this gray area where is that acceptable to do in public spaces or you know, out, out in the world in different places. And then, of course, you have this issue where the media hyper-sexualizes women. And it's just, we push back so hard on, you know, we're, we're more than our bodies. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're also allowed to be our body. We're allowed to be proud of our body. We're allowed to show off our body. So it's, it's really challenging. And then, of course, you get into issues with, you know, people with, specific religious views about modesty, um, purity culture. It's kind of a mess. It's a a mess. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I saw, and here, and here, I guess I, I did grow up with a religious background that was quite modest. I definitely come from that viewpoint. That said, I personally didn't have a problem with their outfits. I know a lot of people were losing their minds about mm-hmm. how those women were dressed. And I kind of thought that at first, but I look, I really like fun, sparkly, fringy stuff. And I wish I had somewhere <laughs> to wear that. Like that would be fun. But if you, you know, somebody pointed out to me, they're like, this is like what ice skaters wear. And I'm like, you are a hundred percent right. And we mm-hmm. don't, we don't look at it in the same way. So I can see I can see where people were heading down that road of like, oh, it was what they, what they were wearing. For me, it was two things. One, the choreography was very sexualized, and I have no problem with that. I question whether it was appropriate for the venue, and a lot of people are like, well, is the Super Bowl really a kid-friendly event? I say, like, I was at a party with everything from five-year-olds to you know, grown-ups. We had a ton of teenagers, preteens, and it's the same thing every year. That's, that's what it is. You know, people bring their family and, and they watch the game. So is that an appropriate space for that kind of dancing? Like they knew who their audience was. Like clearly J-Lo and Shakira, if you go to a Shakira concert, a J-Lo concert, you're going to get what, what, they, what they put out there. Television is typically different, right? Like you know who your audience is. The choreographers knew who the audience was. And I don't think they took that into account. The other big also- thing, for, oh, go ahead, you go ahead. Oh, sorry. I know we're so hard with audio. Um, and that's, that's actually interesting that you brought that up because there's so many different opinions on that too, because this, like the NFL just overwhelmingly is, is not family friendly. I mean, if we're, if we're talking about the NFL, we're talking about a really aggressive game. I mean, we can go into a whole, it's like a whole separate podcast discussion on, is it too aggressive? You know, are, are we promoting these behaviors to children where, you know, we've got this, these issues with concussions or I mean, even if we're going to go into the, the personal side where we've got NFL, you know, the players being arrested for domestic mm-hmm. violence, there, there are so many issues. So my issue was, I guess, the assumption that the NFL caters to children. I saw a lot of people enraged the same way they would be if strippers were brought out during Disney on ice. Like that, that's <laughs> not what this was. I mean, this, <laughs> overwhelmingly, the halftime show has always been catered towards adults. I mean, the ads are about fear. It's just, it's not family-friendly programming. Yeah, and I guess for me, it's different each year. Typically, mm-hmm. and I, I, I noticed you put up Beauty Redefines post in your feed this morning. I adore their yeah. viewpoint on things. I um, 
yesterday actually put up one of their quotes from they they didn't come out with that till I think it was the middle of the night last night. Um, it but was I put later. Up, yeah, I put up a quote of theirs um, talking about the idea that we are more than our bodies. Um, mm-hmm. They talk a lot about how women are. Um, viewed so often through the lens of just what they look like and that we're more than our bodies. I'm actually taking their, they have an online course. I'm taking it with my daughter right now, learning about body image. And their whole premise is that our bodies are not ornaments, that we are not here for other people's viewing pleasure. Yet we are so often in that mindset. We actually look at ourselves through the lens of how are other people seeing us. And that's what I saw watching that game. I really saw it through what was happening with that camera and I went back and compared last year's show, and then I compared even, I don't know what year it was that Beyonce was there with Coldplay and um, Bruno Mars. And it's very interesting that mm-hmm. the women, it is about their bodies, the way the camera mm-hmm. follows them, the angles, it's coming up. No one is doing that with the men. And even if we come back to the clothing aspect, the men are always completely clothed and honestly can show up. They, it's honestly looks like, like Chris Martin just like rolled out of bed, like just showed up with his t-shirt on, right? Mm-hmm. The women are never wearing pants. Is it because they're choosing it or is it because they know that that's the rules of the game? They show up and they're looked at. Well, that's where you and I, we're totally in agreement there. It's the differences between the cameramen and how they're shooting. I mean, we can't put that on J-Lo or Shakira. That's not their responsibility, you know? And it's just, that's like a, an entire separate discussion too. It's how the media portrays women. If we had the exact same camera work on, you know, any gentleman up there that we had on women, I think it, I think it would have been a lot less sexualized. I, I think you're absolutely right. And it happens over and over and over in so many different ways. And I, I don't think people, I don't think it's actually at all recognized in people's mind that that's what they're viewing and that it's different at all. People kept showing the pictures of Adam Levine yesterday next to JLo. And that's why I went back and watched it. There's just not the same tone. It's just not at all. At, no, I mean, we, we all saw the camera zooming in on boobs and butts. And that's, uh, unfortunately, again, we can't put that responsibility on the women performing. That's not, that's not their responsibility. That's on the people who are portraying the, the performance on the media. And again, whole separate conversation. I don't even know where to start with that one. It's, <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> it is a mess. And for me, that's when I, when I got on my stories and was talking about like what I saw at the Super Bowl and why I didn't think it was appropriate. A lot of it, I have to say the first thing I noticed, like, I think JLo and Shakira are amazingly talented. I think that, you know, they have so much, they have worked so hard and I do not feel that their message, look, they clearly had a big political statement or two to make up there. Mm-hmm. And I feel that it was not, it's not looked upon in the same way as a man making that kind of political statement because the message was so overwhelmingly about their bodies. How much of that was them versus how much of it was the producers and the, you know, whoever's in charge of shooting that thing. I don't know, but I feel like their message that was so important, both, it was only there because they were allowed to be there being sexual beings and it's just so overwhelmingly about their bodies. Yeah, well, and kind of looking at it from a cultural perspective too, one of the, two of the things I was noticing that I was, I was having a really hard time with was first, the slut shaming. Just because you, and I'm saying this, you know, generally mm-hmm. speaking, you, a person, tends to be more modest, absolutely mm-hmm. does not give you permission to shame another woman for the length of her skirt. It's unacceptable always across the board all the time. So that was one of the issues I was having first and foremost. And then second, not many people that I saw posting are familiar with the Latino style of dance. Mm -hmm. It's very much about your hips and your movement and your body. And just because we as Americans don't understand or don't agree doesn't mean we get to take it out of context and then shame or sexualize it. What Shakira was doing, if you actually dig in and learn about it, is really interesting. I mean, she pulled in her Colombian background. She pulled in her Arabic background, her Lebanese background. It was insane how much she put into that performance. And all anybody saw was, you know, her, the, her underwear showing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it was just people focused on 
the absolute wrong part of that. Yeah. And how much of that, look, I totally get what you're saying. And I agree. I think that the styles of dance that we're used to in America are definitely, um, conservative or reserved. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so looking, you know, that's not at all what was up there. No. But I, and I will say, is it possible had she done all of those things you just described, which were amazing and exotic and, you know, a nod to her cultural heritage and how amazing for all of those people. And I saw lots of people who were like, wow, I feel seen and heard. And that's amazing. What if she had done all of those things without the edge of sexuality that had nothing to do with those things, right? So what if she was doing those mm -hmm. things and we, we weren't having camera shots of her underwear and her and JLo weren't grabbing their crotches and their boobs so much, which has nothing to do with anybody's cultural heritage, frankly. What if they weren't doing those things? Could we have appreciated the message and the beauty of you know, the dances of her various cultures better? Would we have, would our, would we have been able to receive it differently? Could the camera work have been better? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I don't know, again, how to, how to even breach that subject. Um, it's like a whole different, whole different post. But yeah, and then I guess at the same time, it's just our, do people have the capacity, though, to understand? Because honestly, and I'm always reluctant to say this kind of stuff, but based on some of the comments I see, I don't know if people are willing to look beyond their box. I think they just want to yell and shame sometimes, and that's bad. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's definitely been a lot of just yelling and shaming and just knee-jerk reaction um, to, to what they saw, for sure. I was um, very impressed. I had a few people reach out to me and say, I, I totally had this knee-jerk reaction, and then I actually you know, read your post and I dug into it a little deeper and I, I learned so much about Shakira's background and I changed my, you know, my viewpoint towards this. And I was like, that, that's incredible. I love it with me as well. I, I feel like the sign of intelligence is being able to take that initial like ugh, gut reaction, sit with it for a second, explore mm -hmm. a little further, open your mind a little bit and say, oh shoot. I was totally looking at that through a very limited lens. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And it, and it can be hard. And I think it challenged a lot of people. Um, we're going to have to move on to Whole30 here in just yes. a second. But <laughs> We need a whole, whole different podcast on this. I topic. know. I know. It was just so interesting. I have to tell you, I spent far too much of my time and emotional energy on the Super Bowl yesterday. I had a whole mm -hmm. list of things I did not get done because I think yes. this is, I think it's important. You know, there are such differing ideas, like, was it empowering? Was it not empowering? And the, the quote this morning, the whole post from Beauty Redefined, I really appreciated because their viewpoint was that it was both. It was both empowering and it was objectifying. Um, and I'm going to read just a little bit of this. I don't know what you think about this. I'd be curious to hear. Objectification is complicated. It diminishes our empowerment by distracting us, draining us, and destroying our self-worth due to a fixation on how others perceive us. It always has and it always will. Still, there's no denying that playing by the rules of, of objectification can have its rewards and open up doors that are closed to those who won't or can't play. And that's kind of what I saw on the stage there is like two, two powerful women, but they're up there on the biggest stage still being objectified. Well, and it's, it's I love that post, by the way. That's why I put it in my stories for another perspective. Yeah. Um, but it's also so hard because it's like how how much of it, and I don't want to use the word fault, but I feel like for lack of better for lack of better word, how much of it was their fault, or how much of it was how the media hypersexualizes and portrays women? It's just so challenging. It is. It is. So I guess what we're going to leave everyone with with this discussion is we have more um, questions than answers. <laughs> Yes. So, the messy middle on everything. It, it is. It is. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on to a totally different subject. We're going to switch gears here. So as I said, Amanda has very in-depth posts on her feed, and she did one on the subject of whole 30. It's something that I find really interesting. I work with a lot of women who have done multiple rounds of whole 30, and um we're going we're gonna to talk about that. So Amanda, before we dig too deep into it, I bet most people have heard of it, but they might not understand exactly how Whole30 is supposed to work according to the creators of Whole30. So could you just kind of give everybody an overview of if you were going to do Whole30 the Whole30 way, what would that look like? Oh my gosh, this is actually so funny because I obviously work in the nutrition space and I had heard of Whole30. I like 
felt like I knew what Whole30 was. And I started digging in. I was shocked. I had no idea what Whole30 was. Mm. And it was actually so much worse than I thought, which is, it was mind blowing. Um, a lot of my friends, you know, in the nutrition world said the same thing. They were like, you know, holy crap, I thought I understood and I did not. So when putting together this post, which by the way, I was terrified to do, because as we know, people are vicious when you take the time to kind of dissect these bad diets. So I, I was petrified of putting this post <laughs> up, but I felt like it was important. I get questions about Whole30 constantly, as I'm sure you do as well. And I went straight to the source. I always try to go straight to the source first. So I went to the Whole30 website, started digging in, um, you know, dug through the pages. I actually went ahead and signed up for the Whole30 Start Kit as well, because I really wanted to get a feel for their messaging, what they were sending out to people. I went to the Whole30 Forums, which is basically a place for all the people doing Whole30s to talk about what's going on. And then from there, I pulled evidence, articles, studies that dispute what I felt were really problematic Whole30 claims. I went through, I put together this post, I tagged things as what I call red flags for um, fad diets. There's a couple specific things that constitute a fad diet. So I basically tagged anything I found in Whole30 as a red flag, which this could be like rely on guilt or shame to keep you in line, um, suggest a food that can change body chemistry, you know, all the things that we see in fad diets that works like this, this isn't true. So I put together this post and the response was... <laughs> A little crazy. I mean, it was anything from like, oh my God, I had no idea this, you know, it was like this, or, you know, why are you attacking Whole30? It's changed my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. So tell us, so what did you find about Whole30 that you liked? That's a good place to start. I actually like that. So the things that I found the pros, if you will, about Whole30, there's a focus on cooking from home. I'm pretty sure most nutritional professionals will agree that cooking from home is awesome. We want to see more people making food in their house. It can be a family activity. It's a better way to kind of make sure what you're eating is nutrient dense. It's awesome. There is a focus on less processed foods. I also don't want to demonize processed foods here, mm -hmm. but we all know that a healthy balance, let's use that 80-20, you know, 80 whole nutrient-dense foods, 20%, you know, treats or whatever. So there's the focus on less processed foods. That's awesome. I like that. They also implement um, hand guides for portion control. And for any listeners that aren't familiar, there is a tactic we use in nutrition world where you actually open your hand and look at it and use your hand as a way to moderate what you're eating. You know, protein fits in your palm, Fats are about the size of your thumb. It's a really great way to be aware of portion sizes without being overly restrictive. Okay, those are a couple of really good things. Things that I yeah. definitely agree with and would I would highly <laughs> recommend to people. Those yeah. are fantastic. Where does Whole30 for you kind of go off the rails? Oh, so I'm actually, I'm looking at my Whole30 post. I wanted to make sure I had the information right in front of me. So I have my Whole30 cons list pulled up. And so overwhelmingly, I found that this program was not rooted in science. And it's frustrating because the, the founders talk a really big game about science. And what I found was it was, it was mostly a marketing tactic. If people mm -hmm. see, you know, science-based or evidence-based, I feel like they feel comforted. Like mm -hmm. what I'm doing has to like, you know, evidence behind it, science behind it. But when I dug in, I couldn't find anything science-related. For example, the creators kept talking about how legumes cause inflammation, which is why we need to cut them out. But overwhelmingly, the scientific community and nutritional science, you know, people have found that legumes actually have incredible anti-inflammatory benefits in the gut. So I'm not sure where that claim is coming from. But unless you dig deeper, you would never know that. Mm -hmm. So overwhelmingly, just not rooted in science. 
very unnecessarily restrictive. I mean, there is an entire list of foods right off the bat that you have to cut out. Um, no it's rhyme, extensive. No it's reason. Extensive. <laughs> it is. It's very, yeah. it's extensive. Tell us some of the things, Amanda, what are some of the things you have to cut out to properly do a whole 30? It's a lot. So it is right away what to avoid any and all sugar, which as you and I both know is impossible. And they, they, they specifically say real and artificial. Mm -hmm. So are we supposed to look at that as like cut out all fruit? I mean, Mm -hmm. even vegetables have sugar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there's this mass, like avoid all sugar at all costs, Uh, no alcohol, no grains. This one really this I'd put a red flag on that immediately because grains are fantastic for us mm-hmm. uh no legumes no dairy no msg uh sulfites which are something you would essentially find in wine and other foods um they can cause headaches for some people but treats oh this one this one really I struggled with treats with approved ingredients so whole 30 actually goes out of their way to tell you that you cannot replace your favorite treat so let's just say you love chocolate chip cookies you cannot replace that cookie with a whole 30 approved alternative. Right. If you're with, pretending it's, if it's some kind of <laughs> version of a cookie, it's wrong. It's wrong. And you I, know, I learned that from your post, Amanda. <laughs> I had never heard that before, but I know a lot about whole 30 oh. before your post, but that I was like, that blew my mind. That's a really interesting, that's a really interesting piece. And I'm not exactly sure what they're, what they're aiming for there. Seems to be rooted in the fact that you're quote cheating if you replace one of your favorite treats. Like we always make fun of cauliflower because cauliflower you can replace anything with cauliflower yes. apparently. So basically, in their mind, if you replace say pizza with um, you know a cauliflower crust and approved vegetables, you're cheating because you're still eating pizza. Mm-hmm. So you're not a hundred percent adherent. It's it blows, I don't even, it blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. They, that's a really, that is one of the most strict things I've ever heard as far as like mm-hmm. banning foods, like even banning the idea that you might have something that is similar to a food that's on yes. there. It's, it's, that's really way out there. So, so you yeah, know, that list is just crazy. Yeah. So basically it ends up people can eat what? They can eat meat. They can, they can eat, eat meat, vegetables, seafood, eggs. Fruits and vegetables, which again is very confusing because they say no sugar. So that right. actually is a rule that contradicts itself, which I talked about later. Um, natural fats, which I'm not entirely sure what that means. Um, and then herbs and spices. So the list is very restrictive. You're going to end up surviving on animal protein um, and approved vegetables and fruit, which mm-hmm. also begs the question, how the heck do you do this if you are plant-based vegan vegetarian? Um, there's no way you could possibly get enough calories to sustain yourself. Yeah, I'm guessing that, I'm guessing, do, I wonder if many do. I'm guessing that not many people in Whole30 are plant-based eaters. I don't know how they would survive. Well, I dug into the forums a little bit, which obviously we can get into, but there were a few vegan and vegetarians who, oh God, my heart broke for them. It, they were miserable. They were like, I can't, I can't get enough food. I'm tired. I have no energy. Like, well, how how could you? I mean, even if you're vegetarian and you eat eggs, you're surviving on eggs and like chopped up cucumbers. I mean, that's not enough for anybody. Yeah. And a vegan would literally just be eating vegetables and fruit looking at this list. There's nothing else. There's nothing else they could, they could eat. Um, So, okay. So the the restriction is insane. The other thing about Whole30 that to me, it's one of the the most egregious problems with Whole30 for me is the idea that you're supposed to do it for 30 days. And if at any point you slip, cheat, make a bad decision, you go off plan, you have to start over from day one. Yes. And that's actually also on my con list. I have basically, they aim to shame. So they, they use, in my opinion, incredibly abusive language to quote, keep you in line. And that's not me just saying that. It says right there, on their website, all of these horrible things, which we can talk about in a second. But so basically they aim to shame, they rely on guilt to keep you in line, and they require a quote, restart every time you slip up. This does not scream balanced or healthy eating to me. 
this is restrictive, this is abusive, highly unnecessary. I just, I'm shocked. I was shocked when I dug into this, how punitive this bad diet is. Tell us more about that. I was not aware of that piece either um, from what I had heard about it. Tell us more about this punitive uh, nature of, of, of how Whole30 works. What do they say? <sighs> it's, it's hard to read, honestly. And what's funny is uh, a lot of people, when I posted this, they kind of attacked me for these words. But I said, hey, go to the Whole30 website, click on the rule. There's a rule page and read it. And people were shocked because it's right there. They're not even hiding it. So straight from the website, your only job is to stick to Whole30 rules for 30 straight days. No cheats, no slip-ups, no special occasions. One bite of pizza, one spoonful of ice cream, one sip of beer within the 30-day period, you've broken the reset and have to start over on day one. This is not hard. Fighting cancer is hard. Birthing a baby is hard. Losing a parent is hard. Drinking your coffee black is not hard. Don't even consider the possibility of a slip. Just because it's your sister's birthday, best friend's wedding, or office party does not mean you have to eat or drink anything. That is verbatim from their website. Good gravy. What a, yeah. what a crazy tactic to use when talking to somebody about the food they're going to eat. You're going to mm-hmm. tell them that they're, you're going to compare it to their struggle Fighting with that cancer. cancer? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I was, my mind was blown. It was blown. And this wasn't, again, me projecting any of my personal beliefs into this diet. This is verbatim from their website. They didn't even try to use the manipulation, guilt, and shame that they use. Yeah. And what do you think it is that attracts people to Whole30? If I, if I was going to, look, I have never done it. Um, it never appealed to me because I will tell you, I've done a lot of diets. And once in my 20s, my mom convinced me we should do a week without chocolate. And it was terrible. Like, I, it was terrible. And so I had already decided I was never again going to do a diet that I, I couldn't eat chocolate. So I never actually tried it. But I've worked with a lot of people who have tried it. And I've never quite understood the appeal. There's a couple of things that stick out to me, but what do you think the appeal is? This is a very popular diet. And people oh, who do that. it feel very much like they're doing the right thing. Like they feel like, wow, I've done something really amazing for myself. Well, I think it's the same. It's almost the same trap, if you will, that we fall into with any other fad diet. You're uncomfortable with your body, how you feel, your energy levels, um, whatever's going on in your life. And you want to change, but most people want, quote, the, the easy, quick fix. This, I'm not going to say it's easy to follow Whole30 because I think it would be miserable, but everything is laid out for you. There's essentially a meal plan. There's a list of foods you can eat and foods you can't eat. There's a cookbook and there's a support group. You don't actually have to think very much. You just follow the rules, do your thing probably lose some weight along the way because it's incredibly restrictive. And then, you know, you quote, you know, finish your 30 days, everyone celebrates you. Um, you go back to eating normal, you probably gain the weight back, the weight back, but then all you have to do is jump back into the same hard and fast rules. People really like rules. And mm-hmm. I think, I mean, you probably get this a lot. Can you write me a meal plan? Can mm-hmm. you write me a meal plan? I could write you a meal plan. But how does that help you? What mm-hmm. happens when you don't have X, Y, or Z food available? What happens if you go to your friend's wedding? You should be able to have wedding cake. Like nothing about this diet actually teaches you how to operate in the real world and manage your body composition. But it is just a give you a piece of paper. Here's your plan. Follow it. And I think people like that. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And I, I think the other thing about Whole30 is it's couched so much in the idea that um, this is good for you. Like they, yeah. they, you know, people are really convinced that these things that they're supposed to avoid, like, you know, people avoiding grains, like people yeah. think people really believe like, oh, it's probably better for us to not have grains. And so this diet comes along like, oh yeah, you're going to avoid those. And they feel like they're actually making a healthier choice. Well, that's why, that's why I try so hard to get past the surface, kind of circling back to that, because on the surface, Whole30 doesn't seem that bad. I mm-hmm. didn't think Whole30 was that bad. I was like, oh, a diet where you like, I don't know, cook at home, eat more processed foods. It's probably a little bit too restrictive than what I normally love, but it doesn't seem that bad. But once I dug in, I was like, oh my goodness, this is horrible. Because honestly, unless you have a diagnosed food allergy, 
there is absolutely no reason to avoid grains. They are fantastic for us. Yeah. And the same thing with dairy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people in their mind, they should be avoiding dairy. And they're like, you know, well, you know, I, I can't because I'm too weak or something. And they don't understand, like, they, that's not something to aspire to. Like, you don't need to aspire to banning di- dairy from your diet. Well, that's like a whole different, we could do a whole podcast on dairy too, I feel like. But overwhelmingly, yeah. most people can consume dairy without a problem. If you have any sort of, you know, uh, ethical issue with this dairy, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about nutritionally speaking. There is nothing bad about dairy. And if you can tolerate it, it is an excellent component to your diet. Um, so there's just these, like we were saying, this list of what to avoid. It doesn't seem to be rooted in anything other than the founder's belief of what is bad or good and looking at someone's belief about what is bad or good and then tailoring your diet around that not the best way to approach nutrition yeah absolutely what else did you see as far as the their scientific claims that you were like wait that's not that's not even factually correct yeah so i actually had a a little slide on this if you will so the creator the creator states that The aim of this diet that she created is to put an end to unhealthy cravings and habits, restore healthy metabolism, heal your digestive tract, and balance your immune system. So right off the back, we, I'm sure we've all, little red flags going off in our heads. Lots of red flags (laughs) just went off in my mind. (laughs) Yes. So there, there are so many aspects of this that are completely incorrect. And these claims are, again, not rooted in science, but because the creator keeps saying science-based, evidence-based, but never actually gives us science or evidence. I think it's easy for people to just say, oh, well, this creator did her research. She knows what's going on. I'm going to do this diet. I'm going to put an, an end on healthy cravings and habits, et cetera, et cetera. I just, I'm not seeing it. Um, a restrictive diet like that cannot possibly put an end to unhealthy cravings and habits. If anything, the more you restrict, 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 the more you are setting yourself up for an eventual binge. And I know we both talk about this quite a bit on our own platform. You can go ahead and restrict sugar all you want. It's neither healthy nor good for you to restrict sugar that much. All you're doing is inevitably setting yourself up for a binge, whether that happens in a week or four months or a year, it's going to happen. Um, restriction is never the way to go. And then in terms of the claims of restore healthy metabolism, what does that even mean? You know, like I think people throw around the word metabolism a lot and they don't actually really understand what that means. It's not like a computer. You can't like (laughs) turn your metabolism on and off and reset it. That's not quite how it works. Um, And then of course, healing your digestive tract. I mean, I network with some incredible PhDs on Instagram who work specifically in the gut health space. And this is what they do for a living. They're the ones literally creating the research that we reference. They have no idea how to even heal our digestive tract. They know 1% about gut health because it's so complicated. So yeah, we, I had Dr. That, Fundaro on um, last yes. month. Um, she came on and talked about gut health. And that was pretty much like the big picture is we just don't know that much yet. No, we know, we know so little about gut health, but we have this person who created this diet saying that they're going to heal it. Like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. And, but people, gut health is very trendy right now. Yes. <laughs> very yes, trendy. It is. So everyone wants claims, to heal their gut. Everyone is convinced that their gut needs healing, first of all. Yes. And people are capitalizing on it. We're seeing it. We're seeing gut health coaches. What, yes. even, what even is that? But I, people yeah, that, love it. It's very trendy. Gut health coaches and um, hormone coaches. Those are, yes. the, those are the things that like make my head spin. Unless you're an endocrinologist. They're not a hormone coach. <laughs> yes, or a GI doc. You, you have no business coaching on hormones or gut health. So for this diet, this person who created this diet to say, oh, we're going to heal your digestive tract. Ah, it's a big red flag for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and do they, talk, do they talk about hormones too? Do they talk about that? Oh, you said your immune system. They're going to yeah, balance so they, your immune system. What does that I mean? Right. (laughs) I didn't see anything hormone specific, um, which I guess I'll give them some little props for that. But um, they just missed that one. (laughs) Probably, probably missed it. But uh, it does say balance your immune system and then lower chronic inflammation. And I'm not quite sure what 
balance your immune system is because again the immune system is quite complicated i'm not sure how you, how you it's like saying balance your hormones like it doesn't actually yeah. make sense um your hormones actually shouldn't be balanced if they were all balanced you'd be a mess they're supposed to rise and fall and fluctuate and kind of be a little crazy um and then this lower chronic systematic inflammation. I mean, that sounds, that sounds really good, right? Like, yeah, yeah, chronic systematic inflammation. I don't want that. But what people don't understand is that inflammation in our body is actually a good thing. We want a certain amount of inflammation. Um, and furthermore, I'm not quite sure a restrictive diet could help lower. If you do have a actual diagnosed issue with chronic inflammation, um, Whole 30 is not the way to go. You should be working with an actual registered dietitian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What do you say to people who are like, well, Amanda, I'm listening to what you're saying, but I've tried Whole 30 in the past and it worked, and I'm really thinking that that's what I'm going to do again. I think I think what I need is another round of, of Whole 30. What would you say to somebody who feels like that? Because I think a lot of people feel that way. Well, I mean, right there, that's the problem, right? If you have to do it again, it didn't work. So. Mm -hmm. Um, this is where it gets hard because at the same time, while I put out this information and while I want people to make informed decisions, I also cannot tell you what to do. You are in charge of your body. If you want a fad diet for the rest of the life, that, that's your prerogative. Um, <laughs> and I don't get to tell you otherwise. My, my issue is when I see women, oh, and I say women because that's specifically my population, but um, just doing the same diet over and over and over again, uh, it worked. Um, but I, I just, I gained a little weight back. So I just need to do it again. Like, well, if you did it and then you, you couldn't sustain it and you gained the weight back, then clearly it's not a sustainable diet that quote works. And so I usually, I kind of know where to draw the line now on, is this worth chatting about? Is it kind of a lost cause? But I do like to talk to women about what quote weight loss actually is when you fad diet, because I think it's a really important differentiation. Um, weight loss and fat loss are not the same. So if you start a fad diet, which is usually overly restrictive, usually cuts out a good amount of carbs, um, not, you're usually not eating optimal protein. The, the quote weight you are losing is water, glycogen. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you can probably lose some fat, but it's, it's more likely water and glycogen. And glycogen, obviously, is stored carbohydrates in your muscles. So if you immediately start restricting, your body is going to go into that glycogen store, use it all up. And if you're using a glycogen, which also carries water with it, uh, you're immediately going to lo lose weight. So you could drop, you know, five or 10 pounds in glycogen, water, probably a little bit of your muscle mass because you're not eating enough protein. And people are like, oh my gosh, it's working. I'm losing weight. But you're not actually losing fat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're just losing water and carbs, basically. So yeah. the second you stop your diet and, or you binge because you're restricting, uh, and you go ahead and you eat a carb-heavy meal, your muscles are going to suck up all that glycogen and all that water. And you are going to gain weight. No fat <laughs> was lost or gained in that, that time period but you probably lost a little bit of your muscle, which sucks, never give up your muscle. Mm -hmm. And you probably lost water and glycogen. So I, I try a, and I try not to get too sciencey with my audience because people want science, but not a lot, <laughs> just enough. <laughs> <laughs> so science I, try, yes, I try to talk about that. I'm saying, hey, you know, if you're looking at like a five or 10 pound weight fluctuation, it's important to understand that that might not be fat. So what you're doing is basically just depleting glycogen, throwing it back in there, depleting it, throwing back in there. Is the restrictive diet really worth that? I mean, mm -hmm. maybe for some people it is. Whatever. They're prerogative at that point. <laughs> yeah. It's a tricky one. I know people People are so desperate for help, right? And mm -hmm. they see these things that have a formula and a system and promise really big things. Mm -hmm. And people overestimate their ability to stick with these overly restrictive things, right? They think like, oh, that'll be, that'll be no problem. And it's then always they, a problem. Right? It's always a problem. But they, they're like, I can totally do that. And then they feel like failures when they can't do it to, uh, to the specifications they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. And in reality, the problem all along was, was the program itself, not your willpower, you know. Oh, yeah. And well, I mean, what's, do you really want to live a life where you can't go to your 
your best friend's wedding and enjoy a piece of cake? I mean, you can go, Amanda. You just can't eat the cake. You're not following the story. (laughs) I mean, I guess maybe, and again, this is where I guess a difference of mentality comes in. I would never personally choose to do that. I would never give up important moments in my life because of my diet, but maybe other people enjoy that type of punishment and I I really I don't get it um I was actually never a fad diet girl which I know is interesting I grew up in a very um I don't even know how to really describe it because it's so different uh I grew up in a very nutrition agnostic house um we kind of understood how to build a balanced plate I really I do give a lot of credit to my mother for this I mean she I never talked about her body in front of me never talked about dieting in front of me I did not grow up in this space so I can't really truly understand how how somebody else might view this but to somebody else what I am seeing is so uh horrendous I guess is a good word for it maybe other people don't think it's that bad yeah well look I'll tell you I did I did grow up doing fad diets and I did grow up with a mom who was always dieting and was always finding the most bizarre diets in the magazines, you know, like mm-hmm. eat this, you know, very, very strange, specific, like eat an egg at this time with a piece of string cheese, but you can't do that. <laughs> you know, I was always convinced that one of these diets was going to be the, the thing, right? And the crazy part is I didn't even need to lose weight. I was one of those people perpetually trying to lose five pounds when I was a teenager in my young adult years. It wasn't until I was in my thirties and I was, I was eventually extremely overweight. Um, I definitely, I struggled with obesity all in my thirties and I did all the fad diets. Like I really did. And it, it wasn't, I just thought it was, I thought it was going to work. I really believed it was. And I definitely believed the problem was me. And the problem was my willpower. The problem was not that I was being presented with truly terrible options. Mm-hmm. Clearly the problem was me. Um, and I think that's where people are, right? Like you know, and they, they see because, you know, Whole30 is going to put out all their success stories. And so they're going to be like, look at all these other people who could do it and I couldn't do it. Yep. You know? Well, and that's one of the issues I had with Whole30 more so than any other crappy fad diet we see. This diet overwhelmingly will actually shame you. If you can't do it, it's because you're weak. Mm-hmm. And I, I was shocked when I read that. I was like, so they're actually taking that insecurity that women have about, well, it's got to be me. It's got to be me. And they're actually saying it. They're saying, yeah, you're the problem. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you, you, if any women, if any women are listening to this, you are not the problem. They, these diets are the problem. And I was flabbergasted that they actually had the audacity to openly say that. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. And that, you're right. That isn't something that most diets typically say. So that, that, no. that, that does set them apart in a not so great way. It really um, does. Okay. I feel like this has been a really good conversation about Whole30 and will we'll help people make an, you know, a, an informed decision. People who have done Whole30 before, and maybe you're thinking like, this is, this is what I should do again. Hopefully it will kind of give them some food for thought about why it didn't go so well. And people listening who've maybe toyed with the idea of, of giving, giving it a try. Before we close, Amanda, I would love, I always like to talk to the women I have on about what they're doing in the gym, how they train. So tell us a little bit about your training. What do you like to do? Uh, how's it going? What are your goals? I had a really excellent start to my um, training routine, if you will, which I am forever thankful for. The second I ever stepped foot into a gym, I think I was um, 22 or 23, I, uh, I, I think if I'm a member of Lifetime Fitness and they give you two personal training sessions for free when you join, which I think is fantastic. And I think everyone should take advantage of that. And I was immediately paired up with a personal trainer who happened to be a competitive power lifter. I am forever grateful that that happened to me. I never felt like I struggled in the gym. I was never doing, you know, the shape or Cosmo, uh, you know, jump around workouts. I, I never, I, I never had to go through that period of not understanding how to work out properly. I was immediately paired with an amazing coach. He immediately taught me how to structure my workouts based on what I wanted, what my goals were, what I wanted my body to look like. Um, so I have always trained with a more power lifting mentality. Every time I go to the gym, I start with a big lift, whether that's squat, deadlift, bench, overhead press. I always, always start with my big lift. I do some accessory work that might help me perform that big lift better. And then if I 
want to, need to, feel like it based on my goals, I might do a little bit of structured cardio. But I am a power lifter girl through and through, and I am forever grateful for my initial coach for that. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, look, I can relate to that. I love, I love powerlifting. What's your favorite, what's your favorite of the big three? I am a deadlift girl. My deadlift is fantastic. I wish there was, well, there are actually, I was going to say, I wish there was just a deadlifting competition, but you can actually find just the, just a deadlift or a squat competition yeah. now. So I should probably jump in and uh, get on one of those, but I, I love deadlift. There's something so empowering about being able to pick up 300 pounds off the floor with good form. And most of the time, if you're good at it, you're lifting more than the dudes next to you. It's empowering <laughs> as hell. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's my favorite lift. So what, what's your one rep max? Uh, it's 305. Wow. That's impressive. And that was, yeah, that was at a 122 pounds body weight at the wow. time. I am, I'm not that small anymore, but, um, that was very impressive. And, and that's, again, a whole different conversation with body composition. But with powerlifting, uh, the lower weight class you are and the more you can lift, obviously, the, the better that ratio is. So that's the only reason I brought up weight. Uh, yeah. Lifting that much at a lower, a lower weight is very impressive. So that's that is, impressive. yeah. <laughs> Do you is pull sumo or conventional? What's your- I'm actually a conventional girl, which a lot yeah. of people are shocked by. Um, so for those people who don't actually know, if you lift with a sumo style, it actually shortens the distance between the floor and the lockout. And with powerlifting, the goal is to just basically lift as much as possible. So by shortening that distance, um, you're able to pull more usually. So lifting conventional is, uh, it's very different for the community, but I've tried sumo and it just, it feels feels wrong. Are you a female? <laughs> okay. I'm totally with you. I started pulling conventional and then I'm, did you? when, yeah, I did. And then when I got with my current coach who I've been with Jordan for three years now, um, he said to me on the phone, our first call, he said, he's like, what do you mean? It feels weird. I'm like, it just feels weird. He's like, yeah. I want you to remember this moment. He's like, you're going to remember this moment. Cause I'm telling you, you're, you're going to be a sumo puller and you're going to love it. He's like, I just know it. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I don't think so. And you know, he had me kind of trying both. And sure enough, within months, I was loving sumo. So yeah. I definitely, I've played around with it. I've, I've, I'm opening my mind to it, but uh, it's hard when you, I mean, I guess I say I'm good at conventional, but maybe I could be pulling 350. At sumo ah, sumo, maybe, so. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Amanda, it has been great to have you on and to get your perspective um, on Whole30 and on body image and powerlifting and all the things. Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell everybody where they can find you again? Yeah. So I am primarily on Instagram right now. My handle is Amanda Howell Health and Howell has two L's. I am in the process of relaunching my website. So I won't give you that link just yet. But if you do follow me on Instagram, um, I do let my community know when I put out a, uh, you know, an email or we do a Q&A and then I will definitely let my community know when my website is relaunched and ready to go. Amazing. Amazing. Thanks so much for being here, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here and listening in to the Fitness Simplified podcast today. I hope you found it educational, motivational, inspirational all the kinds of ational. <laughs> if you enjoyed it, if you found value in it, it would mean so much to me if you would go ahead and leave a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening to this on. It really does help to get this podcast to other people. Thanks so much.